No matter how they traveled, uh, the farmer, or, I'm sorry, the miller would overhear people complaining about how they were leading the donkey. So at first they hear some ladies and the ladies say, look at those two fools. They're both pulling that donkey along. At least one of them should be riding the donkey. And so the miller, trying to please those people, puts his son on the donkey. A little bit later, he overhears someone else say, say, uh, that boy obviously has no respect for his elders because he's riding and his father is walking. Well, then the father takes the boy down and he gets up on the donkey. A little bit later, uh, he hears someone else say, say, that man obviously doesn't love his son, making him walk while he rides. And so the miller picked up the son and now they were both riding on the donkey and the next thing you know, they heard someone else complaining, saying, look at those two lazy guys being so cruel to that donkey. And by the time they reached the village, the miller and the son were carrying the donkey. Now, uh, again, you know, this is one of my favorite ones as a kid. But when I think about when I think about um, uh, fables, um, it actually reminds me of the Proverbs. And we're starting a series today on the book of Proverbs. And what fables and proverbs have in common is that they were written with the intent of, of giving instruction to those who would hear or read the stories. The difference being this, that the book of Proverbs, uh, the purpose is to instruct us not just in wisdom, but in the very wisdom of Almighty God. So today's message is called True Fables, and our three points are going to be owl, wolf, and cricket. So uh, if you have a Bible with you, you can be turning to the book of Proverbs. It, it's right in the middle of the Bible, right after Psalms, and we'll be in chapter 1. But if you don't have a Bible, I'll have the verses on, on the screen. And I still encourage you to, to go back and, and look at them later. But again, our message today is called True Fables. And our three points are owl, wolf, and cricket. So let's pray together and let's see what God has for us. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, you really are an awesome God. And you're the all-knowing God. And Lord, what a privilege it is that you would not only speak your words, but you made sure that those words were written so that all these years later, anyone who wants to, Lord, can read your words and we can receive the wisdom from Almighty God. Lord, I pray that we would not take that lightly. And I pray, Lord, uh, it would be your words and your voice speaking today to every heart in this room and anyone else who happens to be listening online. God, you speak to us, Lord. Teach us your wisdom. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Okay, so we're starting out with our first point, which is owl. And let's talk about owls from the old fables. So uh, I've noticed two things about about owls, uh, the fabled owls. And uh, this is the case. Number one, uh, the owls tend to be portrayed as wise. And I think most people here would, would agree about that. Uh, but the second is this, is that a lot of time in the old fables, uh, whomever the owl was speaking to refused to listen to the owl's wisdom. You and I uh, have the same opportunity as far as hearing God's wisdom we have that choice, y'all. We can, when we hear God's word, we can pay attention and listen, or we can ignore it. And so we begin in Proverbs chapter one, verse one, and it says this: It says, 
the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And we're going to camp out right there just for a second. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. At the onset, we see two names. We see Solomon and we see David and we see they're linked because Solomon was David's son. Uh, you may or may not know this, but they were also both kings. They both reigned for 40 years and they reigned over the, na- the nation of Israel. So David came first and then his son reigned for those next 40 years. Uh, here's some differences. King David had a lot of uh, troubles and afflictions. And also he was at war a good bit. You know, they, there was uh, just a lot of fighting going on uh, during his reign. And so God led him, interestingly enough, to write uh, a book of devotion and comfort. I mean, think about his life, what he was going through. And so it makes sense that he would be the one that would write the majority of the Psalms. But then his son Solomon, uh, his kingdom, they were relatively in peace. They had defeated all their enemies. And so there was no war when King Solomon was king. And so God led him to write a book of instruction. He actually wrote the majority of the book of Proverbs. Now, there's a third king I want to mention. And his name is King Jesus, uh, also called the Christ. And there's a link here, too, as well, because one of Jesus' titles was Son of David. And it signified that he descended from King David. But also, it's just interesting that here, at the beginning of Proverbs, King Solomon is called Son of David. And later, Jesus was called Son of David. And so there's a link between Christ and Solomon. If you think about Solomon, he spoke in Proverbs. If you think about Jesus... He spoke in parables. Here's something else you don't want to forget. Don't forget where Solomon received his wisdom. If you remember, right when he was starting out in his reign, God gave him the opportunity to ask God for anything. And Solomon asked God to give him wisdom so that he could rule the people. And so a couple of thousand years later, here's Christ. And sure enough, He would always seek the Father's will and sought to do as the Father wanted. All right, so we go on in verse 2, and it says this, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. So I want to look at some of those uh, uh, phrases that I underlined there. It says, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand To receive instruction. This is why the book of Proverbs was written. Um, uh, During times of peace and prosperity. Remember when it was being written. when, When King Solomon was king. During times of peace and prosperity. It's a good time then. To learn about wisdom and instruction. In preparation for difficult times that might come. Um. Those who avoid God in the good times will find themselves godless in the bad times. There's people in this room, in this very room, that have suffered tremendous loss. And they'll attest to this fact that it was their relationship with Almighty God that brought them through those tough times. And so we'd be wise that while we're in times uh, that are relatively easy, make sure we're receiving the instruction of God. 
Because you never know. You never know when you're going to need it. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I need it every day. We go on in verse 4. It says this, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So it mentions two groups. It mentions the simple and the youth. Do you ever feel intellectually inferior? Okay. Do you ever feel maybe uneducated? I mean, I don't know. There's, there's, right. We're all coming from different backgrounds. The wisdom of almighty God is available to you. I mean, do you realize that? Just hold on to that thought. You know, as we talk about this book of Proverbs and really the entire word of God. But if you ever feel simple, like he just mentioned, the wisdom of almighty God is available to you. The simple and the youth can grow wiser. And those who are already wise can grow wiser still. They will take the time to listen to God. Anyone here who knows Christ, uh, hopefully you're seeking his wisdom. But realize this, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you could be the one that helps someone else begin a relationship with God. Just sharing that little bit, how a relationship with Christ begins with faith in the Savior. Right? He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. And anyone here who has that relationship with Christ, I mean, you can share that with someone. They might understand it for the first time. Uh, I find that a lot of times when people come to Christ, there's been several steps along the way. And maybe they heard a sermon or something on the radio or maybe an event happened. And then all of a sudden, there's that last link in the chain where they make that final decision. And you could be that person either somewhere along along that chain. Or God might choose to let you be the one that speaks that one last time. And all of a sudden, they get it. And it makes all the difference in where they spend eternity. And that they actually can begin that relationship with God. That wisdom of God is available. And I think we take it for granted. Verse 5 says this. It says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. It's like a loving parent. Calling out to his child. Or better yet. It's like a heavenly father. Calling out to us. And he's saying. Receive my wisdom. I mean God's wisdom. Can protect us. And preserve us. The book of Proverbs. Teaches on a lot of different topics. So spiritually. It teaches us. Why God should be first. Uh, Relationally. It gives us wisdom on how to choose friends. And it also tells us about people we should avoid as our closest friends. How about a financial advisor? Does anybody need a financial advisor? Well, how about the God of the universe, the king of kings? He owns it all. He probably knows a little bit, right, about finances and savings and debt. Uh, How about finding eternal hope? That's all in there in that same book of Proverbs. And you can have true peace of mind. Now we go on to verse 7. And it says this now. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
Now, so far in the book of Proverbs, those first six verses, it's just been a matter of introduction as to why the book was written about instruction and wisdom. And it's kind of been general. But now at this point, there's the first word of specific instruction. And look at it again. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's kind of an odd statement, especially because. These days we use the word fear when we think about it. The connotation is, you know, you're afraid of something that maybe terrifies you or makes you run away, that kind of thing. Well, in this sense, the fear of the Lord has this idea that it's a submissive respect for him and for his words. If you think about it, it's like it's like a fear of the Lord means that you and I acknowledge that almighty God really knows what he's talking about. That he is far above anything in creation. It reminds us of his place and it reminds us of our place. And so the fear of the Lord basically is an attitude that God knows and maybe, maybe I don't. Here's a question for you. Will you live your life your way or will you acknowledge him as Lord? How you answer that question makes all the difference between life and death and eternity with him or without him. The question is this. Can you trust God? Can you trust him? In fact, a little bit more specific. Will you? Will you trust him? If you go through life and you miss out on God, you miss out on the whole thing. If you think about the cycle of life, right, that you see all around you day by day, whether it's, you know, when you see it in nature. But when you think about the cycle of life, the cycle of life is meaningless. Birth, life, death, birth, life, death. It is completely meaningless unless there is life beyond. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It begins when we submit everything That we are everything about us to a being that we can't even see. And it doesn't make any sense, but it's absolutely true. Verse seven ends with this thought. It says fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you would be wise. It begins with the fear of the Lord. And if you prefer your own ways. Well, almighty God calls you a fool. Now, one of the most foolish stunts I've ever heard of happened way back in 1982. And it's surrounded by a guy named uh, Lawn Chair Larry. Some of you may remember the story, okay? If you were a pilot in the early 80s, I'm just going to read this. Uh, you likely know the story of Larry Walters, uh, also known as Lawn Chair Larry, the man who tied over 40 weather balloons to a lawn chair and suddenly rose up into controlled airspace over Los Angeles. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Here's the story. Larry devised a plan at 11 a.m. on July 2nd, 1982. He would take flight from the backyard of his girlfriend's home in San Pedro, California, by tying 42 eight-foot helium-filled weather balloons uh, tiered in four layers to a Sears purchased aluminum lawn chair. Larry called his self-made in, uh, air- aircraft Inspiration One. 
and stocked it with sandwiches, cold beer, what else, right? Uh, a CB radio, an altimeter, a camera, and a pellet gun to shoot out balloons for controlled descent. By his calculations, once the lines were cut, he would lift up just a few hundred feet and the winds would slowly drift him east toward the Mojave Desert. He figured he would spend a couple of hours enjoying his snacks, <laughs> sipping his brewskis, and snapping a few photos before finally shooting out enough balloons to make a gentle, safe descent. Well, that was the plan. <laughs> Do you want to hear what happened? <laughs> Instead of lazily floating off the ground and beginning his drift east at a low altitude, his tethering lines prematurely snapped, and he quickly rocketed up to 16,000 feet. He was sighted by multiple com commercial airline pilots. And so uh, they began to radio in. And one of them took a picture. Either either the pilot did or the co-pilot or, or one of the passengers. But when they took a picture, here's what they saw. And this is what they radio, radioed in. This is TWA 231 level at 16,000 feet. We have a man in a chair attached to balloons in our 10 o'clock position. <laughs> After about 45 minutes in the air, he finally found the courage to shoot out some of the balloons, but accidentally dropped his gun in the process, right? Let's just make it worse. Instead of making a calm descent into the desert, Inspiration One ended its hour and a half flight tangled up in power lines, <laughs> resulting in a 20-minute electricity blackout in the area. Ladies and gentlemen, are you listening carefully? If you will read Proverbs, God will help you not do foolish things. <laughs> All right, our second point today is wolf. When you think about wolves in the fables, uh, they always represent evil. Think about the big bad wolf. Uh, they're portrayed as friendly, as cunning, and as deadly. In the next section of Proverbs, uh, we're introduced to some warnings. So we start in verse 8, and it says this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and penance for your neck. Look at those phrases, y'all. Hear your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. You know, I've been telling high school graduates for years and years, I tell them the same thing every year when they graduate. I tell them, if you will study and work hard, then a year from now, your parents will be smarter. <laughs> they don't always get it when I tell them that. But about a year later, it makes sense. Um, I've been working with young people for a long, long time, y'all. I think, I think around 40 years or so. Um, consistently, what I see with young people, the consequences they go through are directly related either to how much they listen to their father and mother or to how much they don't, okay? Uh, and you know what? Um, let's not just pick on the young people, okay? Because some of us who are becoming vintage people, <laughs> uh, it's the same thing, right? You can see the consequences in our lives that very often it's directly related to how much we listen or don't listen to our heavenly father. 
you can see addictions uh, with young people. I'm back to young people now. Addictions, surprise pregnancies, legal issues and crime, things like that. You know what? The best way to honor your parents, I think the best way is to continue to ask them for their counsel, um, regardless of your age. Verse 10 says this, my son. If sinners entice you, I want you to remember that phrase. If sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Let's go back right there. Verse 10. If sinners entice you, you see, they're not going to argue with you. They're going to tempt you and lure you. Think big bad wolf. Uh, They're going to use flattery and compliments. Right? Right? Um, in the story of Red Riding Hood, we just talked about this last week with the young people. In fact, uh, I asked them, what were the instructions that mom gave little Red Riding Hood? She only gave her two instructions. Stay on the path. Don't talk to strangers. Okay, simple, simple. Um, wolves are subtle. Verse 11 says this. It says, it says uh, that they say, come with us. So there's this invitation. Uh, they say, join us. There's a sense of belonging. You know, when you look at gangs, uh, you know, like like the gangs that end up in the news, that kind of thing. The number one thing that draws uh, people, recruits into gangs is that they're looking for a place to belong. And usually uh, the people who are recruited in the gangs, what you find is that you look back at their family and there was no strong connection with family. And so they find that bond uh, in the gang. Um, I've heard it put like this, that kids would rather be on the most wanted list than unwanted. Um, it says here in Scripture, it says, it says that they say, let us lie in wait. So evildoers, uh, they feel better in numbers, right? Misery loves company. Uh, they say, let us ambush the innocent. Why would that be? Well, the innocent one puts them to shame. The innocent one has been productive, right? And so it puts the wicked one to shame. And rather than be inspired to go out and do something productive, it's easier to just, you know, take from the innocent. Um, Contrast that with the family of God, right? Because when we're at our best, uh, we worship God together. We seek to help each other, serve him. We put each other before ourselves. We bear one another's burdens. It's a completely opposite picture of how God wants our church family to be. We're going to skip to verse 15. It says this, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Right. Still talking about evildoers. Right. Do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. Verse 18. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. So verse 15, we're instructed. It says, don't walk with them. Uh, you become who you spend time with, right? I think everybody knows that. Uh, who you hang with is, right? You become like them. Uh, there's the old sayings, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Uh, my mom used to say this. Uh, El que duerme con perros, manesca con pulgas. Isn't that true? <laughs> and what that means is you've actually heard it and said it. It means if you lie with dogs, you'll rise up with fleas. It's that same idea about the people that you hang with are going to have an influence on you. 
Um, this happened to me more than once, but I remember one time in particular when I was uh, in the campus life ministry, uh, there was a mom that I saw one time. Um, this is a few years after her son had graduated. Tears in her eyes. Her son had been arrested, right? Drugs and all that kind of thing. And, um, and she was crying about it. And then she tells me about her son because um, I remembered him pretty well. And she told me this. She said, you know, he's basically a good kid. He was just hanging with the wrong crowd, right? We've all heard it. So I didn't say it in the moment right then. I think it would have been inappropriate and kind of too late. But in reality, if he was right hanging in the wrong crowd, guess what? He was that crowd. Because you become just like the people that you spend time with. Here's a note to everybody here um, who claims to be a believer. If your closest friends claim to be believers, but they don't encourage you in your faith. And especially if you find they do the opposite, if they encourage you towards ungodliness, you need to be careful. And then verse 18, God says this about the wicked. They set an ambush for their own lives. In other words, the trap that they set, they end up getting caught in. Wicked choices lead to consequences sooner or later. Years ago, uh, our family went on a uh, vacation during a Thanksgiving. We, we rented a, a place that was on some water. And um, my kids have mischief in them, okay? I don't know where they get that, okay? But they all do. And they were uh, mostly all adults by then. Like like uh, uh, Ian was, uh, uh, let's see, I want to say he was just fixing to, to graduate high school. And, um, and I don't think we had, we had Caden yet. Okay. But, um, but the other four, well, here's what was going on. My daughter, Emily was minding her own business. Okay. She was, she was outside in a hammock and she was actually reading her Bible, right? Because, you know, that, that shows you she was raised right by her daddy. Okay. But there's Emily minding her own business. Well, during that time, my son, Tim, uh, had found a dead fish and he thought, what a perfect opportunity. Okay. She's completely unsuspecting. She's in her hammock. And of course, what would any other red blooded young man do? You know, uh, in, you know, if he found a dead fish, right? He would take it to his sister and throw it in the hammock with her. Okay. So he was going to sneak around behind her just to make sure she didn't see him. And he was going to get close enough to toss the fish in and, and watch her reaction. Couple of more things you need to know about this story. Number one, uh, Tim was barefoot. Okay. And, uh, and I need to tell you this too. Tim's feet, bottom of his feet are tough like leather. Okay. Which is why when he began stepping in the burrs, uh, he didn't realize it for a while. So in other words, there were burrs, there was a whole patch of burrs and he was well into that minefield. I mean, a good, he was still a good 20 feet away from Emily. And that's when he realized uh, that he felt these things going up into his feet. Okay. He started screaming and now he can't stand because his feet are in such pain, <laughs> but he can't sit either because <laughs> he's going to have burrs in other places. Right. <laughs> and so uh, next thing you know, he starts calling out for, uh, for my other son, Ian, and for my, my son-in-law, Andrew. And they both had to come over. They had shoes on. They both had to come over to him and they grab him, you know, put their arms, his arms around their shoulders and they pick up his legs and they carry him 
to his oldest sister. You're getting to know my whole family right now, okay? To his oldest sister, uh, Kristen, who was out there on the dock, because he trusts her, she's going to pull these burrs out of his feet. Y'all, first of all, I want you to see this picture, okay? This is... uh so that's Kristen there, and uh, she, you can see she's laughing. The rest of us are gathered around. We're all laughing about it. And she is holding um, Tim's foot there. But I want you to see a close-up of his foot, okay? And I don't know if you can see, there's there's at least 20 burrs in there. And look, both his feet look like this, okay? And so, <laughs> I know, our, our family, we don't have a lot of the gift of mercy, okay? Because while Kristen was pulling one burr at a time... We were listening to him screaming. The rest of us are laughing. He was laughing too in between pulls, you know. So uh, it, it wasn't as miserable as I'm making it sound. Uh, but you know what? Of the whole family, guess who had the hardest laugh? Well, Emily did. Because there she was just innocently minding her own business. And if he'd have left her alone, none of this would have ever happened. But he saw the opportunity for this terrible activity and his trap ended up catching him just like it says in proverbs y'all god warns us okay he warns us about these things right uh there's a lot of things we can avoid a lot of consequences we can avoid if we'll just follow god's ways tim's better now by the way that's been a long time ago okay in case you're worried our third point today is cricket let's talk about crickets for a second from the fables okay they're seemingly insignificant. In fact, they're a small voice. Think about that. Uh, they tend to be a faithful friend. Um, they speak truth and warnings. Of course, the most famous one is Jiminy Cricket, right? He would warn Pinocchio. Uh, he was like a conscience to Pinocchio. And Pinocchio refused to listen to him. We're in Proverbs 1, verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. So here, it's just kind of interesting. Wisdom becomes personified as a woman who is calling out for people to hear her and to listen to the things she has to say. It tells us she cries aloud. She cries out. She speaks. And it symbolizes God reaching out to us, to each one of us, saying, trust me, trust my ways for your own sake. Trust me. We'll skip to verse 32. And it says this, for the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure. And we'll be at ease without dread of disaster. So let's break that down. Verse 32, the simple, the complacency of fools. It's talking about people who refuse to listen. In spite of the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, people still want to ignore him. In spite of the fact that there's tons of people right here in this room, believers who have story after story. That we can relate about how God has been faithful and has moved in our lives. Still, there are those who refuse. They just push it away. And here, wisdom is crying out and talking about the consequences that, that those, uh, it says that it'll, uh, it, they are destroyed. Uh, verse 33 says this, whoever listens to me, 
And the idea is whoever listens to the voice of God. Whoever pays attention to the written words of God. You know, um, I don't want to at all teach that if you're a believer, um, that, that you're going to avoid all the trials of life. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying this, and I believe God is saying this too, is that when we line up our lives the way he, he commands us and encourages us, when we line up our lives with his words and his wisdom, we'll at least avoid the self-inflicted trials, right? Trials are going to come during life. And sometimes God's trying to stretch our faith or teach us a lesson. But I'm talking about the self-inflicted things that we do, right, to ourselves. Those kind of things we can avoid if we'll pay attention to God. Uh, that moves us to our application. And so uh, just three thoughts, and they, and they go hand in hand. The first one is this. I just want to encourage you. Read the book of Proverbs one chapter at a time. You may not know this. There's 31 Proverbs, 31 chapters of Proverbs. So you can actually read one a day and be finished in a month. A lot of people will read the one, the chapter that coincides with the date. So, for example, like today, you would read Proverbs chapter 6. And then just read them for 31 days until you come full circle. But um, read, I'm just encouraging at some point, read a chapter of Proverbs a day. Number two, as you read it, let God speak to you. Like, don't just read it. Really let God speak to you. And number three, do as he says. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, God's wisdom is like the fabled owls and the fabled crickets warning us from the wolves. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word and for your faithfulness. I pray, dear God, that you would just draw each one of our hearts towards you, Lord. That we would receive your wisdom. God, we would really listen to you. We would walk with you. Lord, we love you. Help us love you more. In Christ's name, amen.